Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. On today's amazing episode, I discuss with liberty promoter and YouTuber Stephanie Cole about the Libertarians Party's exclusiveness and inability to take the task of liberation seriously. But before we get started, take a listen to my new pre-roll announcement. Hey James, what you got there? Oh, just CBD gummy bears. Gummy bears with CBD, you mean? How do they smell? Just like candy, but with just CBD. Here, let me smell them. Oh, they do smell like candy. Yeah, it's my daily supplement that helps me with creativity and helps me focus on my conversations with guests and listeners. Check it out. JustCBDStore.com and check out all of their amazing products. All right, I'm pulling it up right now. Just make sure to use my 20% off discount code, PIF. So welcome to Pace and Freedom podcast. It's a great pleasure to have Stephanie Cole on here. Uh, I reached out to you and it's just so cool now that I can just reach out to certain people and people are like, yeah, sure, I'll be on your podcast. So it's always exciting to uh, meet people that I see on YouTube or have heard their podcast and now have them on my podcast is great. So I actually started watching your YouTube channel after you had that interview with uh, Kevin Warmhold. And I was like, okay, I want to check it out. And I checked it out. I was like, I was hooked. So uh, I actually just bought a book right after you gave the review for A New Freedom. Oh, did you buy the the really huge one? The big text one? Yes. (laughs) It's it's actually really worth it. I'm really happy that I got the big text one because it really lessened my eye strain. Really? Okay. Yeah, because cool. I could read even when it was dark in the room and my eyes would still be happy. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, start reading it and really mm-hmm. put a lot of thought into it and relate it to different things. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your YouTube channel, and how did you get to this point of libertarianism? Sure. It has been quite a journey. I mean, it's been a transformation. I went from pretty much being just your normal average girl who liked Liberty. I was, you know, a big fan of Ron Paul. He kind of got me jump-started in all of this. I liked Gary Johnson, Rand Paul, and then Austin Peterson. So I was a huge volunteer for his campaign out in Missouri, even though I'm from Michigan. But I you know, I just really loved his campaign so much that I, I wanted to volunteer my time for it. And then after that campaign, that kind of jump-started my whole social media journey on Twitter. And then I wanted to actually take some time for myself because I had given so much time to these other candidates. I was like, now it's time for me. Right. I want to actually educate myself and read. So I basically made it my mission to read as many Liberty books as I could to gain as much knowledge as I could. So that's what I've been doing. And I call myself a Liberty promoter. So pretty much I promote Liberty ideas, things, people, anything Liberty I like to talk about. I like to share with other people because that's how I see that we can spread this Liberty message. I don't know how much you know about my podcast, but I on my podcast, I try to avoid labels. 
I mm-hmm. hate labels. I hate calling people liberal or conservative. I just feel like we never get anywhere if we label each other. And within the libertarian world, we have our own labels that we use. And we have the Libertarian Party, which is supposed to represent libertarians. But we have this whole wide spectrum of libertarians. And we hear the we hear small L and big L. So mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? Yeah, so I was actually small L ever since about 2008-2009 when I first started learning about libertarian ideas. And I was small L up until 2017. I only joined the Libertarian Party, the actual party, because I was so inspired by Austin Peterson at the time. He was in the Libertarian Party. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. So I ended up joining the party. And that was the first time, you know, I saw the official, you know, party workings behind the scenes. And I only stayed in it for a year. And now I'm gone again. And now I'm just back to small L libertarian. (laughs) So for me, I consider myself also a small L. I have really never been like fully a libertarian party member per se. I've supported libertarian candidates. I've donated to libertarian candidates i've but i've never became a libertarian party member myself just because i'm i don't know if it's just it almost feels like some sort of Mm -hmm. marriage that i don't know if i want to get into and i think it was on the american uh, liberty podcast that i heard you talk about kind of the way you were treated within the libertarian party Mm -hmm. almost not feeling i guess accepted in a way because within the libertarian party we have this huge spectrum where people are always challenging your libertarianism uh you have the anarcho capitalists and the classical liberals and um all these different there's even anarcho communists apparently i know i've heard of that one (laughs) part of the party right and i in the American Liberty podcast, you were talking about how you were kind of bullied by the uh, anarcho-capitalist, was it, or the anarchist? I don't know exactly what he labels himself. He was some form of anarchist. I've heard that he may be an anarcho-communist, anarcho-socialist. I really don't know. But whatever it was, he just didn't like that I was supporting Austin Peterson. Because <laughs> <laughs> he made fun of my Austin Peterson pumpkin that I carved. Right. Wow. And... You know, the one thing I noticed about the Libertarian Party is a lot of the members are not very uh, accepting. They're not uh, inclusive. And mm-hmm. it seems like anytime there's somebody new that comes into the liber- to the party, per se, they automatically challenge how libertarian you are. And mm-hmm. I kind of felt that, too, as never becoming an, a, an official Libertarian uh, Party member, anytime I felt like I was getting close to it i felt that kind of rejection of sorts and i've heard this uh, amazing metaphor and i talked about it a little bit with uh, i believe it was with uh, jake uh, gutwitz um mm-hmm. that i heard from glenn beck who teeter totters in between being a, a, a libertarian and conservative and he uh he made mention that 
the Libertarian Party is almost like, say, you have this store, this brick and mortar store, and you're you're not a Libertarian, and you're outside in this terrible storm, and you walk into the Libertarian store, and the store clerk just starts going at it how you're not a Libertarian, you shouldn't be in this store, and you need to get the hell out back into that storm. Mm. And... Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like a lot of times with the Libertarian Party. I don't know if you've shared that same experience, but I feel like we need yeah. to change that and try to keep people in the store and try to get them to actually buy into Liberty ideas. Yeah, I mean, Libertarians are very quick to debate. I mean, even today on Twitter, I just posted a question about if you're supposed to put in the uh, noodles before you boil the water or after you boil the water. I was just taking a poll and people were going at each other. I was like, since when do noodles and boiling water divide libertarians? <laughs> they look for any opportunity. And right. that was truly the reason why I left the party was because I was so involved in Austin Peterson's campaign. He was a Republican. You know, he ended up joining the Republican Party and so they used to kind of make snarky comments like, oh, you know, you're a Republican now. What are you doing with Austin Peterson? So I, I just didn't want to feel guilty anymore. I shouldn't feel bad about spreading liberty if it's not in the Libertarian Party. Right. You know, I feel like the average voter, the average citizen does believe in some extent of liberty. Even mm -hmm. if they like support, you know, the crazy ideas of Bernie Sanders or crazy ideas of President Trump, every average voter does believe a little bit of liberty. If you I've talked to this one uh, friend of mine, she is a Democrat mm -hmm. and she really supports, obviously, uh, the LGBT community. She's a big proponent on um, immigration reform the war on drugs, ending the war on drugs. Those are mm -hmm. all essentially libertarian ideas as well, right? Mm -hmm. But she's so hell-bent in having somebody like Bernie Sanders or uh, Beto... Yeah, Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, you know, to yeah. be in elected who all they want is to gain more power and take away more freedom because she feels that the other side wants to take away certain freedoms from her. And the only way to protect those freedoms is by electing one of these statists. Right. Uh, I mean, Tulsi Gabbard is, you know, she agrees with libertarians on ending the war on drugs, on legalizing marijuana. Um, those are, you know, two things where libertarians really love her. And a lot of libertarians are actually going to vote for her, I think. But she still likes universal health care and the social welfare programs. That's right. why I can't get behind her fully. And, you know, it's okay. I I want to say it's okay for a libertarian to say, okay, well, you know, I like these things of Tulsa Gabbard and that's why I would, uh, I want to elect her. But like you said, there's so many things that we, that are just not liberty oriented. And, mm -hmm. You know, we have an option. We have several options of people that have a lot more of of the liberty ideals, the libertarian ideals that we could be voting for and supporting and 
they don't. They end up voting for, like you said, somebody like Tulsi Gabbard or Donald Trump. You know, I mm-hmm. get into these, and it feels like a lot of these libertarians that I, you know, that I talked to during the 2016 election that voted for Trump, you know, and I talked to them today, and they will still defend their decision in voting President Trump when he has proven time and time again that he is, he has no liberty ideals to support or he hasn't done anything that's libertarian or liberty oriented and mm-hmm. they'll still defend him, uh, defending their decision and voting for him and it's just crazy to me that we cannot get together and get the libertarian party to do more and support a libertarian to be in office whatever office that may be governor president mayor city council Absolutely. I mean, back in 2016, I think because Trump has been such a good businessman, you know, I thought he might understand liberty a little bit just in terms of capitalism. But now I have seen, obviously, he's continuing these wars. He's cracking down on, you know, vaping and bump stocks. He's he's definitely encroaching on our liberties. And that's shocking to me that he ended up being that way. So yeah, now comes 2020. I think some of these libertarians that really liked him, I don't know if they like him so much anymore. I don't think they do, but it's almost like a pride thing. I had a discussion with a libertarian not too long ago, and we were just kind of talking back and forth about immigration. And, you know, a lot of the his crackdown on immigration, I feel like it's a, a big violation of liberty. And, you know, just by personal experience, we were talking about how he wants to deport anybody or not renew their their visa or green card if they have ever used uh, welfare. And mm-hmm. he was like, oh, yeah, that's I like that. Uh, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, immig- immigrants using our welfare system. I was like, OK, well, instead of deporting immigrants because they use the welfare system, why don't we get rid of the welfare system, which is a lot <laughs> more of a libertarian ideal than deporting immigrants that are just here trying to make a living and he couldn't get that concept he was like oh of course i want to get rid of welfare but we first need to fix the immigration problem well then fix the welfare system problem you would fix you would fix the immigration system problem oh absolutely and it feels like i'm ranting a lot on the libertarian party so you know again i support a lot of libertarians that are in the libertarian party I just feel that we need to do something to kind of be more inclusive and bring more people in and buying into it. For sure. I think as libertarians, we keep shooting ourselves in the foot, you know, with different things that have been happening. Obviously, James Weeks, when he, you know, pranced around naked on the stage at the libertarian (laughs) convention several years ago. I mean, that was super dumb. And then uh, I believe Arvin Vora. He he's done some some pretty interesting things that haven't looked so nice for the party. There's just been some people that have kind of made the party not look so good. Right. Well, I mean, they're not they're not taking it serious, you know, and Mm -hmm. we really need to take this seriously. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be ourselves or we shouldn't believe in the things that we believe in and doing the things that we like doing. But there there's a time to be serious when it comes to trying to win over voters. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like with Dan, I always butcher his last name, Burham, taxation is theft, Burham, Uh, (laughs) you know, with his hat, like, I, I get it, you want to draw attention, but is it really necessarily, you know, necessary to, you know, not to be uh, insulting, but is it really necessary to be a clown? you know, to draw the attention. There's better ways, more serious ways and more professional ways to draw attention. You know, that's... So he goes around wearing a taxation hat? I don't really know the guy. Uh, yeah, sure he wears he this big yellow Willy Wonka hat oh. that says taxation is theft. And oh, I thought you were talking about the red caps that say no, taxation is theft. That wouldn't be that big of a deal necessarily. I oh. still think it's dumb, but, you know. Uh-huh. But that's just overkilling it, right? And or there was the other gentleman, uh, who was that? Uh I think he dropped out too of the race or for nomin for the nomination for the Libertarian Party for president, but he was going around wearing a boot over his head. Oh. Oh, that guy. Yeah. I, I know who you're talking about. He looks like a wizard. Right. And, you know, is it really necessary? I get it. You want to draw attention, but is it really necessarily to be, you know, a clown? And again, it's not to be insulting, but we if we want to win people over, they want to see somebody that's serious, that is going to Mm -hmm. take their job seriously and that will actually defend their their liberties. And I don't think that's a way of doing it. That's just my opinion. Anybody that I ask, they always point those things out that libertarian candidates just don't seem serious they kind of seem a little you know crazy right and honestly that's another reason why i left the party was because you know i had a lot of people even in my local meetings that you know were running for office and you know i would watch them give their speeches at our meetings each month and i mean as much as they were great people I just didn't think they really had much of a chance. And so it was hard for me to invest my time and my money in their efforts because I just didn't know if it would really pay off in the end. Yes, I'm sure it would spread a little bit more liberty, but I wanted to focus on, you know, bigger campaigns like Eric Brakey, Austin Peterson, Justin Amash. You know, those were the people that were really making an impact. Right. And the other thing that I guess we need to do too is kind of support i i know all these great libertarians that do take the that need to serve and that need to spread liberty and to defend liberty that are running for smaller offices like city councilmen uh mayors uh county legislators that really could use a lot more support. And I think that would be so much more beneficial for the party to really dedicate and invest money into these people because these are the Mm -hmm. people that are going to convince the smaller communities to to invest into the the bigger uh, offices. Because if they can see, oh, wow, this person that I voted for is a libertarian. And he's done mm-hmm. so much for my community. He has provided so much liberty. They have brought down so much uh, in taxes. They've done all these great things. Maybe I should invest in for a libertarian governor and see how it goes. And if that goes right. well, invest into a president and so forth. 
Yeah, and as libertarians, we believe in small government. The more local, the better. Exactly. And that's how we can kind of work our way in. Because there's a lot of um, like nonpartisan positions that you can run for. Exactly. Where you don't have to identify as a libertarian. Nobody will know you are. They only just see your name on their ballot. Exactly. And they will be able to eventually identify that, wow, this person is doing a lot of these like... Mm-hmm libertarian things let me look more into it and then they can find the libertarian party or right and it's sad that we have to be sneaky about it or you know tactical but unfortunately that's what it's come to right it's it's kind of like when you feed a baby and you're feeding them you know some yucky vegetables you kind of have to sprinkle a little sugar on them or something to get the baby to like those vegetables that's what we have to do right we have to give them something that they really don't want to accept. But we have to make it kind of fun and sprinkle some liberty on it. Yep, exactly. I think that's probably <laughs> a lot sweeter uh, metaphor than mine. I always like to use the metaphor of the uh, drug addict, the person that's addicted to government. And we have to like slowly wing them off. Um, mm-hmm. But I like the sweeter idea better. Yeah, it's truly like an intervention. I mean, when I turned, I had voted for Obama, Obama in 2008. And uh, my boyfriend started teaching me all about economics, and it was truly like an exorcism for me. I was like really not wanting to come to the liberty side, and I was fighting. But finally, he just got it out of me, and I was I was ready to come over. <laughs> <laughs> so, what uh, drew you to, I guess, when you were a Democrat as uh-huh. you were growing up? Because we see that there are a lot. A lot of the younger generation, millennials, they are more drawn to the Democrats uh, now, more towards socialism. What is it that draws the younger crowd to the Democratic Party? I don't know that I exactly was like in the Democratic Party. I don't know if I thought of it that way. I was in social work school at the time, so I am a social worker, and social workers tend to be more progressive you know, more into the social welfare programs, helping people, helping animals. I'm a vegetarian, so I'm a huge animal activist. So I think just my personality in general is so giving that I thought the best way to give was through government because I didn't know any better. But then when I learned that there is another way and you can still be kind and give your heart to people through charities and through individualism, you know, then that's when I went to become a libertarian and I no longer needed to be a Democrat anymore because I could still do the things I wanted to do. So how can we get, I guess, younger people to realize that same thing? Because I feel that's what mainly it is, is that a lot of young people are more concerned about these issues that, you know, are more of a charity issue Let's talk, you know, just say Mm -hmm. about, you know, people that um, unemployment or that have uh, drug addiction problems or, you know, they it seems like the younger crowd that are growing up now are very concerned about these issues, about homelessness. But Mm -hmm. they feel like you did that the best way to do that is through government to push government to take care of these issues. How would you convince somebody uh, younger than you? And being now a uh, liberty promoter, how would you convince a young lady, young man to 
hey, there's a better way of doing this that is through liberty, through individualism. Mm -hmm. Well, I would just say you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. Be that liberty example. And that's what I am. Uh, actually, in my For a New Liberty book, I read that social workers, their philosophy used to be very libertarian. Their main focus was to motivate and empower people to get out of the social welfare system. But now social work has kind of evolved to get people onto social welfare. So I just want to show them I'm a social worker and I can empower people and, and still do good for people and get them the help that they need, you know, with substance abuse, homelessness, all those kinds of resources. Right. I can do it and it doesn't have to be through government programs. It can be through private charities and organizations and people just helping people. As a social worker, how do you do that? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what kind of social worker you are, but uh, do you like just gather resources for people and, and give them those uh, that information and where to find help? Yeah, and I, I won't really get into my specific social work job. Obviously, I like to keep that private. Right. But yeah, so I, I definitely I give out resources, helpful phone numbers to organizations, charities, you know, that can help them give them money, you know, show them how to improve their life. And when I'm talking to these people, I'm trying to motivate them to help themselves. You know, I say, you can do it. This right. is possible. You don't have to live your life this way. So have you seen like a difference between like the government helping people versus the way you help people and it being more successful or more? Um... Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear from people all the time who are really fed up with, you know, Medicaid and Medicare, the government programs, you know, they're very inefficient, very slow. When they call the hotline numbers, they're on hold forever and ever. They can't get the services they need in a timely manner. Right. They can't get the medications they need. So absolutely, these people are very frustrated. And, and then you see... With business, I mean, they have quite an incentive to provide for their customers and to give great service. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I've had a little bit of that kind of experience myself to uh, being a veteran and going through the uh, VA system. I mean, Absolutely. I've uh, called them several times to try to have them help me uh, get my some of my educational benefits going and I still haven't heard back from them and I've been trying to yeah. do this for like three months now and it's just a lot of people what they end up doing is giving up and not pursuing mm -hmm. what they need and that's what happens with a lot of these veterans who you know same thing with the medical portion of it you know they try to get a hold of somebody nobody you don't get a response and what ends up happening to a lot of these veterans are seeking medical care and specifically mental uh, mental uh, illness medical care they end yes. up not getting it and then they end up going to drugs which is a lot easier and end up in the streets and absolutely you know, for me i've started looking for elsewhere and talking to colleges and uh, mm -hmm. you know, and they're like, oh, well, there's other programs that you can use. And, you know, it's just as beneficial or even better. So mm -hmm. 
Uh, yeah, so- it's truly so sad. The veteran has to go that extra mile to try to make sure they get the help they need when really the VA should be providing that help off the bat. The veteran shouldn't have to seek it right on their own. And it, that's how it happens. And that's why when people that, you know, the average voter goes and votes and, you know, that issue comes up, they just feel, oh, well, we need to do more than we need to right. give more power to the government so they can try to help when it's the government that's the problem. It's the government that's exactly. not helping. And it doesn't matter how much power you give them. They're mm-hmm. just not going to do it. Yeah. Even if you threw the most money in the world at the government, they would still find a way to make their programs very inefficient. Right. So uh, it's kind of it's a hard job uh, that you and I have been, you know, I like that. I like the the term that you use, liberty promoter. Um, The way I'm trying to do it is just trying to bring people into that that libertarian store and try to sell them or give them samples of liberty and hopefully they they'll want to come back for more and um you know for me i've seen it uh i kind of seen it happening already you know i've been doing this podcast for a couple months now and Mm -hmm. i have noticed that i have been drawing in people from you know the other spectrums and having them listen it's like oh wow well that's actually not that bad of an idea wow you know this libertarian mm-hmm. in particular uh is not as crazy as some of these people that i've seen um mm-hmm. and I, that's my you know hope for like people like yourself my uh myself and uh kevin and jake that they can see that there are people that are actually wanting to protect certain liberties and not force things onto people that mm-hmm. they don't need. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just say, be kind to others. You know, that's how you build a rapport with people from all sides. Because usually all of us do have similar worries. You know, we are worried about, you know, people who are homeless or who have substance use problems. We are worried about all of the wars in the Middle East. You know, but what we disagree on is how to handle those things. But right. at least we can join together and say, we're all worried and concerned about the very same things. Exactly. Let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. On your YouTube channel, uh, it seems like you have a lot of things going on. You have, <laughs> <laughs> which I like because it gives just so many options to watch. And so far I've yeah. liked them all. Um, I watched the, Thanks. uh, uh the was it liberty pie did i get that right right uh that you made oh yes i made an apple pie that's right yes and uh so i like that one so you have like a cooking channel going on and you have a book review channel going on and you're doing interviews which i saw i got to watch uh i actually watched your interview with uh jake gutwitz before i interviewed mm-hmm. him just to kind of get more of an idea and right. whatnot and so, yeah, I'm pretty much trying everything. It's like a stuffy variety show. And <laughs> I'm doing that on purpose so I can kind of see what people respond best to. Got it. And so far, have you gotten that uh, feedback yet? Or you're still uh, testing the waters? And I'm still testing the waters, but I have an idea. Um, basically, the shorter the videos, the better. 
So now I try to keep them close to five minutes because people lose interest very, very quickly. You know, their attention span is so small nowadays with social media. And so, yeah, so I keep them short and people really seem to like the book reviews, um, especially these books that a lot of other people have not reviewed before. So I'm going to keep doing that. People seem to really like the food. Food and animals are what join people together. <laughs> right? Those are the two things I have found. <laughs> I, I can agree with that. Uh, I love food. So I would say mm-hmm. keep keep doing your uh, the, the cooking portion of it. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, I really like the book reviews. I, I like reading. I haven't read a lot of... You know, when I became a libertarian, I didn't really read many books about libertarianism Mm -hmm. i read a little bit of hayek which is a really hard Mm -hmm. writing to 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 read i Uh, don't really get his writing style very well right and then uh i found this one libertarian book which i liked your your book review on uh 1984 that was pretty good Mm -hmm. yeah that was a that was a really really good book and normally i read nonfiction stuff right but I'm kind of liking the fiction. Like right now I am reading Atlas Shrugged and I'm enjoying just being in a fiction world. Right. Even though the world is sort of realistic at the same time. Because uh, you mentioned on your review of 1984 that, oh, what's the character's name? Uh, Wilson. Winston. That's Winston, right. Winston. Sorry. You were uh, really, really close. It I sounded know, right? super familiar. Uh, so yep. Winston... You mentioned that at the end, you think that he uh, died, that he was literally killed. Yes, yes, because all throughout the book, they said that's what happens to you in the end. When you finally give in to Big Brother and you have accepted it, then they kill you because they want to make you perfect first before they kill you. Right. I don't, you don't think that was metaphorical, though? I can see that side, too. But I just don't know why in the book they kept talking about how they would kill you right. after you finally accepted them. Like, why would they keep saying that? And then, you know, the whole thing about, like, a bullet. You know, they made right. reference to an actual bullet. I think he was shot. I, I can go both ways, too, uh, with it. Because mm-hmm. when I originally read it, I I kind of took it more of a metaphorical, like, you know, they finally killed his spirit. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's just Absolutely. this empty shell that just that Big Brother thinks for, basically. Uh, and then yeah. when I read it the second time, that's where I kind of was like, oh, wow, maybe did, were they actually talking about him being actually killed? Because of, like you said, you know, throughout the book, they talked about how they would kill these people. And I what I thought was interesting is they never kill the people that they catch at first doing things that they're not supposed to be doing that was against you know big brothers um Mm -hmm. you know uh will or you know things they would never kill them they would just take them torture them and throw them back out and then bring them back in and so forth so yeah um but after the first when i read it the first time i kind of just stuck with i think he, he was alive still. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, that's what like the all the spark notes and stuff say, because I tried to like look more into it. And so all of those, you know, little guidebooks, that's what they hint at. But I don't know. <laughs> it makes more sense that he died. You almost feel so like I'm going with that. 
it almost feels like you actually though want him to kind of die just so he can get put out of his misery (laughs) i just think that's really what happens in modern times i mean this whole epstein case i mean when he died i was like holy crap we are in 1984 he was just vaporized and look nobody talks about him anymore he mysteriously vanished and what happened to his whole case and all the allegations and stuff i know uh, nobody talks about it anymore it's just no. so it and, reminded me of 1984 absolutely and you know i always think that we are essentially living in 1984 i think mm-hmm. uh you know the only difference is maybe they give us like these they make us feel that we're free but we're not really free yeah we're definitely living in 1984 i was thinking about this while i was driving this morning actually uh i forgot what it was i was listening to the radio or something and they were talking about these different issues going on i was like it just feels like we're always living in this state of war if it's either you know Mm -hmm. war on terror war on drugs war on immigration war on you know we're always at war and that's exactly how it was in 1984 like mm-hmm, exactly they did they described const- that that yeah. they're always at war they it's just this constant fear and the media mainstream media promotes that oh well the government is the solution the government is going to protect you always mm-hmm. you know yeah there's all these bad things happening but don't worry you trust in government to to protect you and we're no different you know, and a lot of people get upset at me when I mention these things. You know, we're essentially no different than North Korea or, you know, than any of these other dictatorships. The only difference is that our government is really, really, really good at mm-hmm. masking it to make it look like, yes. oh, you're still free. Yep. I have a, a lot of ties with Mexico because I'm, you know, married to my wife. My wife is Mexican. And, Mm -hmm. you know, her family's there and stuff. So we talk a lot about government corruption. And over there, yeah, you know, there's a lot of government corruption in Mexico. And it's very, very obvious. So when I say, oh, you know, our government is so corrupt. And they're like, what? Like, it doesn't seem like it. And I was like, yeah, that's that's the, uh, the scam is that they make it look like they're not. Or they are really good at hiding it. But they are probably we're our government is probably the most corrupt. Yep. Yeah. Our government has a lot, a lot of secrets. But but the thing is, you notice all these Democratic presidential candidates, they're openly saying I'm socialist. Like, who would think we'd come to a point in America where people are openly just proud to be socialist and that people would be okay to support that? Like, you know, how much hope did we lose in this country that we would even consider voting for a socialist like mm-hmm. it, it has gotten that bad and even with Absolutely. you know the 2016 election same thing how much hope did we lose how much how desperate did we get to vote for donald trump as our president it's just mm-hmm. mind-blowing luckily there's always yeah. these glimpses of hopes that we have with people like jake and uh Cass Jackson yeah, Justin and, Amash know, Justin I mean Amash. I'm so proud to have him here in Michigan Absolutely where I live. Justin Amash I think I'm it's probably one of you know it's weird to say it's weird to hear but I'm like proud of that guy 
Like, you, you know, I'm not even from Michigan and, you know, I'm just proud as an American that we still have somebody that is there to stand up. And mm-hmm. I'm surprised that he's not getting as much of a following as much of uh, a spotlight mm-hmm. considering that he made this like astronomical step to completely go against the grain. Like he didn't just a yeah. little bit went against the grain, like maybe uh, say uh, Rand Paul, Rand Paul. Yes. He identifies himself as a small L libertarian and, but he, I like the guy. I think he, you know, he does, do his best to support liberty, but he tries to play the game. He tries to the to go with the grain, and Justin right. Amash. He just, has a different way of communicating with people he doesn't agree with. Right, but yeah. it. I feel like we need somebody like Justin Amash to just say no. Enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Let's pump the brakes, and we need to do mm-hmm. something different. And I'm just surprised that people are not like, "Wow, that that's amazing." So, well, they are. I mean, a lot of the people in the Big Al Libertarian Party, they want him to run for president as a libertarian in 2020. I don't think he's going to do that, but he's definitely got a lot of libertarian attention recently. Right. And I don't think think they're hoping to just transform him into their party, though. And I think he does right in not going that way, though. Yeah. I think he would be a better uh, player in supporting, endorsing, and being a like a supporter, essentially, mm-hmm. to people that support liberty. And regardless if you're a libertarian or independent, um, I think he really should take some time in looking at some of these smaller communities and people that are running for the smaller uh, offices and being there for him because his name does carry weight and if he goes and supports these these smaller offices uh these smaller candidates i mean that would do so much for them uh would be a great support and i think it would be the best way to support libertarianism and in the libertarian party doing it that way that's why i like what young americans for liberty is doing you know, they support those state candidates, the smaller ones. They do the door knocking. So they're they're really helping quite a bit. They've gotten a lot of people elected so far that are part of the liberty movement. That's awesome. So what about you? Do you think you're going to run for any offices? or? <laughs> it's funny. I, I made a, a fake bumper sticker the other day. I was just curious what my name would look like on a bumper sticker. I, I definitely would consider consider it in the future maybe for a very small office to begin with right now i'm having too much fun doing the social media thing because i know once you run for office you pretty much lose your life and all your energy so i'm i'm not i'm not ready to do that yet right i still have a lot more knowledge to gain a lot more books to read i need to spend some more time on me and then maybe Absolutely. Well, I mean, in you taking the time for you and doing what you're doing does help a lot the liberty movement. Um, you know, I think your YouTube channel is definitely inspiration. Uh, I've noticed that you're really gaining a lot of traction 
a lot more than I am. So you must be doing something right. So (laughs) it it all, I think Austin Peterson, I owe him so much because he really kind of jumpstarted the Twitter popularity at least because I was a huge social media supporter for him. And and that's kind of where I got my following. And then I kind of came into my own. And so it's really cool. I don't know how it's all happened. I'm just kind of going with the flow and and just sharing with people what I'm interested in, and they seem to be interested in it too. I was just doing this podcast as a hobby. I'm still doing it as a mm-hmm. hobby, but um, mm-hmm. I never. Well, this is all still very much a hobby for me. I mean, right. there's really not much money aside from some of the affiliate marketing things I do that make like you know ten cents. Uh, I know, if right? You buy <laughs> a product. I mean, I think you're going at a, a pretty good pace uh, with it. So that's pretty awesome. It's definitely uh, inspirational to see and gives me hopes oh, that I'm going to also make it there. I'm always looking for people to talk to, to have this conversation of, of liberty, you know, that mm-hmm. regardless of how you feel that it should be executed, however you feel that it should be done. It's mm-hmm. just good to have a platform where you can come on and not be prejudged based off of a label. And that's kind of what I'm trying to provide for people. You got, let's give us a shameless plug for your oh, YouTube channel. Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at Steffi underscore Cole. Same as on Instagram, Stuffy underscore Cole. On Facebook, it's real Stuffy Cole because they do not allow underscores. And on YouTube, it is Stuffy Cole. Nice. And I will make sure that I have all of those on the description as well. So that way people can uh, copy and paste. And I I encourage everybody to follow uh, Stuffy Cole. I've enjoyed her videos Uh, i think she'll have a lot of great content to uh put out in the future Uh, i encourage also my listeners if you haven't subscribed yet onto pace and freedom uh please do so i'm on uh apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify google play and youtube and uh, we'll have amazing guests just like steffi cole on the podcast and spreading the the word of liberty that sounded very Thank churchy you. but you know <laughs> <laughs> preach it preach it all right thanks Steffi, for being on pace and freedom thank you